Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers Podcast, where four homeschooling mamas with a combined 32 years of experience homeschooling our 12 kids, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier. We're so glad you're here. I'm Harmony Harkema. My co-hosts are Annie Carlson, Heather Gerwing, and Lindsay Hufford. Welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. I'm Heather Gerwing, and today I'm going to be interviewing my co-host, Harmony Harkema. We are taking this opportunity to get to know each of our co-hosts a little bit more. So Harmony, why don't you just share a little bit about you and your homeschool before we start? Okay, so I am a working mom. I have two daughters who are eight and four years old. We live in the Mid-South in Memphis, Tennessee, and we live here because my husband's job is here. So we're originally from the Midwest, from Michigan, where Heather and Lindsay both live. I actually grew up not far from where you live. And we've been in Memphis now for going on six years. I have been homeschooling since my older daughter was in preschool. I had her in a preschool program and pulled her out to keep her home after my second was born. And I've always worked and homeschooled simultaneously with a lot of help from other people. So what led you to homeschooling? There's a long answer to that. I work in publishing now. I'm a book editor for a Christian publishing house. And I also do some managing editorial work. I have kind of a hybrid job. But before that, for 10 years, I was a high school teacher. So I graduated with a bachelor's degree with a double major in English and journalism. I thought I was going to be a journalist. People had always told me, oh, you'll be a teacher. You'll definitely be a teacher. I loved books as a kid and I was a big reader. People had always said, oh, you'll be an English teacher. So I think I fell back on that idea. It was never my first wish to be a teacher, but I also knew and felt affirmed that it was something I could do. So I went back to school after graduating with my VA and got my teaching certificate and I taught high school English. It was somewhat disillusioning. So I stayed in education for 10 years. I worked in three different school districts. The first one in South Southeastern Michigan. And then I went and worked at my alma mater, my own high school, where my mom also graduated and all of her family. And I worked there for five years. And then I spent another three years in a very affluent district just outside of Chicago. During that time, I began to feel just more and more that it wasn't going to feed my need to do creative work. And when When I was in my program for education, you were really encouraged to develop unique lesson plans and to be creative and to really think about your students, to have fun in the classroom. And then when I actually got into the field, the truth was that the curriculum was all written for me. So every once in a while, I'd get to work on developing a class, but there was never any room to do your own thing or at least not much of it. That became more and more restricted as I went through my career. And then the last district I worked at, there was really just not a lot of freedom at all. They just didn't have time. By the end of the term, a lot of high school classes, you know, are only a semester long, especially if they're electives. And it was the same books over and over again. You know, I think I've probably taught Romeo and Juliet 20 times. And after a while, you're just like, can I get another book, please? I love Romeo and Juliet, but I'm so over it. At some point after I went into publishing and got married or was going to get married, my sister started homeschooling her two boys. She has five kids now and she homeschools the oldest four. The younger one is still just a toddler, but she began to homeschool my nephews. And the reason initially that she homeschooled was that she just didn't want to send them away. She didn't want to send them to preschool or daycare or anything like that. Mm -hmm. She's a military mom. And so she just decided I'm going to keep them home and I'm going to figure this out and we'll learn our ABCs and one, two, threes and 
go on our way. And I sat back and watched this process with her of figuring out how to homeschool. And she didn't really start out with a philosophy in mind. She just was like, we're just going to homeschool and figure it out. And I'm going to figure out a way to keep you home. They've never gone to public school. And they're a thriving homeschool family now. And she takes kind of an eclectic, sort of a Charlotte Mason-y slash traditional slash little bit classical approach. And her boys have done wonderfully with that. And she's got quite a variety of personalities. So I was watching all of that unfold. And then at the same time, I had felt like what I wanted education to be and what it had not been when I was teaching was the education of Joe March from Little Women and... Mm -hmm. Anne of Green Gables with her teacher, Miss Stacy, and Emily of New Moon, one of Ellen Montgomery's other characters with Mr. Carpenter, and all these inspiring teachers who wanted kids to explore the world and to find truth, goodness, and beauty. And I wouldn't have said back then truth, goodness, and beauty, but that was really what I was looking for. And I didn't know how I would ever do that for my kids. In a way, I think I felt I don't have any options. Public school will be just what we have to do because I work and I probably always have to work and I don't think there's a way out. And then when my husband and I were getting ready to get married... And I think I might've talked about this briefly in another episode. When we were going to premarital counseling, a colleague of mine who was also a pastor had agreed to do our wedding. And he is from the UK, lives back in the UK now, actually in the magical city of Oxford, the land of Lewis and Tolkien. Mm -hmm. And he had us come for premarital counseling with him and his wife. And they had two girls and a boy at the time. And these two little girls were probably five and six or six and seven. And I just remember being completely blown away by their command of language, their knowledge of scripture, their ability to interact with adults. And I remember having a long conversation with one of them about the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. And I was like, you're really young to be reading the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. How do you understand all of this? And I remember her just going on and telling me all about Aslan and how Aslan was, you know, like a figure for Jesus. And I was like, who is this child? So I said something to Ruth about it. And she said, yeah, you know, we homeschool using the Charlotte Mason method. I said, who is Charlotte Mason? I had never heard of Charlotte Mason. Mm -hmm. So I think the next time we were there, she gave me a little book. It's a thin little volume called A Charlotte Mason Education by Catherine Levison. And it unpacks in brief what a Charlotte Mason education looks like. And so I read it and I wasn't even married yet. And I read this book and I was like, this, this is it. This is what I have been looking for, I just didn't know it. Art history and classical music and all of these other beautiful things. The whole concept of living books. I have spent my life on living books. And I remember being in public school and being bored out of my mind in classes where we had to use textbooks. Mm -hmm. where the teachers were not passionate about what they were teaching. And I thought, this is, this I can get excited about. And I knew right then and there that I wanted to homeschool my kids, but I had no idea how I was going to make that work. When my oldest daughter was born, my husband was in graduate school and we never had to send her to daycare or anything. He was home during the day. He took care of her and I worked from home. We had moved away from where my company is and I had been given work from home status. So I started to get a vision for like, we can just, we can figure this out somehow. So when she was four, she had been off and on in in a preschool program for like a year and a half. And I only ever took her in the mornings and she would come home and take her nap. I had her away from the house as little as I could 
in a way that worked with my work schedule. Cause I would pick her up for lunch every day and then she would lay down and take a nap. And by the time she took a nap, my husband would be home and it all worked out really well. And I thought I can bring her home. I can get a part-time babysitter to help with my infant who I didn't want to put in daycare either. And I can figure out a way to homeschool like in the fringes, what Jessica Turner would call the fringe hours mm-hmm. around my work schedule. And so that is what we have always done. We homeschool a little bit in the morning, a little bit at lunchtime. She does some independent work in the afternoon. And then we do little bits of catch up in the evenings and on the weekends, especially with things like hands-on art and science experiments and things like that. That's a great story. I love how the different people in your life have influenced you to the homeschooling. Yeah, for sure. How would you say your homeschool has changed over the years since you started? It has not changed a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I feel like I found Charlotte Mason and I stuck with it. And I have done the due diligence of going to conferences and listening to lots of podcasts. I'm definitely a learner Mm -hmm. and I like to take in lots of information. If you're familiar with StrengthsFinder, one of my strengths is input. And I'm constantly just input, input, input. And so I read a lot of books. Even before I had kids, I read that first Charlotte Mason book and I was already reading books about homeschooling. I didn't even have a right. Because I was fascinated by how people were doing it. And so I have explored and read about all the different philosophies and I just know that this is the one that fits me. And thankfully so far, I have two daughters who are big book people and would spend the entire day doing nothing but looking at books and reading Mm -hmm. books. And my eight-year-old probably reads a book a day most of the time. She's just voracious. And so it works. The living books approach with reading aloud and narration and all of that really works for us. Suits everyone's personality so far. So your homeschool hasn't changed much, but would you say you've changed it all? Has homeschooling changed you as a mom or as a person? Yes. I think it's been therapeutic in some ways. It's been a redemption of my own education. And I know a lot of moms say this and I so understand it. This whole idea that we are able to redeem the gaps that we had. So I didn't have art history. I didn't know classical music. I didn't grow up studying scripture as part of my learning. And I wanted my kids to have those things as a foundation. I don't remember doing world or ancient history much as a kid, even nature study, natural Mm -hmm. sciences. I mean, I think we did some of that when I was in elementary, but having a real foundation in the natural world, it's been really therapeutic for me to to fill in those gaps. And I think my, we talked in a previous episode about having our why, and I feel like my why started out as one thing. And now I probably have, I've realized that there are so many whys to homeschool and I have a lot of whys. For sure. So that's definitely changed. So what would you say is your greatest strength as a homeschooler? I love to read. So the book list is never daunting. And I have a natural curiosity and I love to make connections. Another one of my strengths is something called connectedness. And that has to do with how you see like threads between things. And I think my older daughter has that too. So just things are always exciting. We're not really bored by anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even math doesn't really get too boring. So 
Yeah. There's just an ability to have excitement and passion. I love sharing also the things that I loved as a child. So my background in books and having been a big reader, like I know what I want on my shelves. I know the characters and the places that I want my kids to visit. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like this gift I can give them. Being a big reader and all the books that I enjoyed as a child was really probably one of the best parts of my childhood. So what is your favorite children's book? Oh, that's like a loaded, loaded question. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, like, like, okay, so we won't label it as your favorite because I know that's so yeah. hard to pick, but so, what's one on your bookshelf that you continually go back to, to read to your girls? Well, I can give you, I'll, I'll give you my favorite author. So okay. my favorite children's author is Lucy Maud Montgomery. She wrote the Anne of Green Gables series, which a lot of people are familiar with. My favorite series by her is the Emily of New Moon series. And I think because I really just identify with Emily, she writes poetry and is always getting into trouble. But I love all of her books. And there are many that people really don't know about. And I have them all. And I still have all of my childhood copies of her mm. books. And I do reread them. That's awesome. So what trait makes your homeschool unique? What makes your homeschool stand out from others? I think, and this is going to sound so mundane and sort of just practical, but the fact that I homeschool around a job and that I have figured out how to do that. And granted, it's been a gradual process. One of the key things of a Charlotte Mason education is habit training. And so my kids are really, really well trained. They've never been in any other environment. Mom has always worked from home. And so they know that I have conference calls. They know that I have to deal with outside people all the time, that I'm working on projects. They see me in front of a computer. I mean, the computer is just always there. And so they are seeing me that I'm always in front of a screen, but they also know that I'm present. And they know that when it's time to do school, it's time to do school. They love that time and they thrive on that time. So we have made it happen through lots of training and practice and figuring out how to make it fit for us. Mm -hmm. That's a great segue because I know you talked about how you homeschool in the fringe hours, but yeah. give our listeners basically like a day in the life of what your homeschool looks like. Yeah. Break it down a little bit more. Okay. I get up in the morning really early because in order to have alone time and to do my own reading, I'm always reading for myself. I try to get up at five. So between five, five thirty, I get up, have my coffee, read, try to get some exercise in, do a little bit of writing or dealing with, I've always got five irons in the fire as far as side projects. Then my girls get up and so I have breakfast with them and we do morning time, which you've talked about. You do morning time too. Lindsay does morning time. A lot of us do morning time. We sing a hymn. We read a little bit of Bible. We usually are reading a devotional book with some kind of an illustrative story. And then we read a few read alouds, history, literature, poetry. We do do a little bit of memory work during that time. A lot of times we're learning some kind of a fun folk song, something old fashioned. We usually wrap it up in time for me to start work. And then often when we're not in a pandemic situation, I have a high school age homeschool girl who will come for a couple hours in the morning. So she comes around the time I start work and 
stays until lunchtime. So I work the morning and then at lunchtime, I throw lunch together. We usually have something simple and we sit down and finish up whatever reading we didn't do that morning. A lot of times we're listening to an audiobook. Audiobooks are some of my best friends because when I run out of time to read aloud, then I turn on the audiobook for them. And if I've got a project, I don't have a conference call or something like that either in the afternoons, no meetings, they can sit and listen to an audiobook while I'm working. After lunch, my little one takes a rest still and my older will sit at my desk. I have two junior office chairs at my desk. It's kind of a big Ikea table. And when my little one gets up, they will sit and do math and copy work and all the things they need to work on independently. And I'll take a minute here and there to check or to answer a question or help with the problem. And all the while I'm still working. So they do spend quite a bit of afternoon time at my desk with me and they get their outside playtime in the morning and their free play. But usually that's maybe an hour and then they go off and do their own thing. And then my husband comes home. And so sometimes, yeah, we wrap stuff up in the evening and I save art and science hands-on stuff and all that. And we fit those things in on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And why don't you talk about, cause I love this. I know you've maybe Instagrammed it before. I don't know if you've mentioned it here on the podcast, but the art table in your kitchen. Oh yeah. So that was an idea that I got from Julie Bogart of Brave Writer. She talks about having an enchanted home. She said, always have an art table with supplies. And so what I did initially in the previous house that we lived in, I did not have a space for art like I do here, but I got one of those Ikea carts. I actually have two of them. One is for our school stuff and the other one holds all of our art and craft supplies. I filled that up so that it could always be pulled up to the dining room table. But then I got to the place where for some reason, my daughter always wanted to be doing an art project right when I'm making dinner. And I'm like, no, this is not the right time. And I hated saying no to her because I want to encourage them to do art whenever they want. So when we moved into the house we're in now, there's a little nook off the kitchen. There's not enough room for a table and chairs. There's not enough room for a couch. I was like, what am I going to do with this weird little area? And I was like, art center. And so I just got an inexpensive table from Ikea and a stool and I put the art cart next to it. I have some clothespins stuck up on the walls with command strips. And so they're finished art projects hang up on those clothespins. Everything else is in the cart. And then I have a little two cube shelf that holds all the other supplies. And they can sit there and do a project of any kind, any time of day. It's a designated space and the art supplies are always available. That's great. I love that. Yeah. What has been your greatest homeschooling challenge? Figuring out how to juggle it and Mm -hmm. to make the most of it and to have a good work-life balance. And I'm probably always fighting (laughs) against imbalance. But that's the thing too, is with homeschooling, you have ebb and flow and you can flex and you can count a Saturday. Like we can school on a Saturday. If, if my week is really busy or somebody is sick or we get behind, we can catch up on the weekend mm-hmm. and forming a non-traditional mindset, I think. Very much so. Yes. So I know you talked about Charlotte Mason mm-hmm. and I, that's your method of homeschooling. So what do you use for curriculum and how do you go about choosing it? Because I do believe there are some different resources for Charlotte Mason homeschoolers, yes. correct? Yeah. Yes, yes. And you could really do Charlotte Mason with no curriculum. All you need to do is pick living books and get outside and that would be it. But there are some great curriculums out there. I use a kind of an evolving mix. There's a great 
online curriculum. They really strive for it to be free. It's called Ampleside Online. And I always look at their book list. And a lot of times I pull something from there, especially they use a lot of older classics like Pilgrim's Progress and A Storybook of Science, which is a narrative nature book and the Thornton Burgess animal books and the stories about Mother West Wind. We have loved those. That's how we got into reading Andrew Lang's color fairy books, the blue fairy book, the green fairy book, the crimson fairy book. And now my eight-year-old is just, she wants the whole library. She can't get enough Andrew Lang. We encountered fairy tales that I had never been exposed to. So we've always pulled some books from Ambleside. My core curriculum that I keep going back to is a company called Sunlight. Some Charlotte Masonites would say, that's not Charlotte Mason. Because they do give you lesson plans that are not necessarily Charlotte Mason layout. But... The book lists are stellar. And what I really wanted was a mix of classic and contemporary living books. Mm -hmm. And I wanted my daughters to read some of the more contemporary Newbery winners and things like that as part of what we were doing, not just as free reads, but like, let's make this something we enjoy together. Yeah. So I love Sunlight. And I feel like the reading schedule as they lay it out, it's always just the right amount. It doesn't take us four hours a day to get through everything. And my daughter's daughter has really loved their history and geography and hands-on science curriculums. The book list for Sunlight really fits what you're looking for in Charlotte Mason. I feel like in it most of the time. And I have really become a fan of them. And some of our most favorite books have been really obscure books that I have never heard of that maybe are published by little tiny presses. And so I've really learned to trust their choices. I do also use Simply Charlotte Mason resources. Sonia Schaefer from Simply Charlotte Mason just has curated a lot of wonderful resources. We use their hymn study. I use their picture portfolios for art history. I use a program called Squilt for classical music and composer study. It's all online and there are printable flashcards. My daughter has loved that. We're using an online class called No Sweat Nature Study right now with Cindy West of Our Journey Westward. And we've loved that too. So I pull from all different things and I'm always looking at new stuff and trying new things. But the core approach has always been Charlotte Mason with the living books and narration. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but anybody can access Sunlight's book lists, correct? Yeah. Yeah. They have a great catalog and you can get the catalog. So what is your favorite homeschooling memory? Oh my gosh. I knew this question was going to come up. So my daughter and I were talking about it and I said, the things that I probably love the most, and there are probably many of these moments. So I'm just going to tell you about a recent one are when we have coincidental overlaps that aren't planned. And it's always really wacky. It's like a serendipity that happens. This year we read British history and we were doing British geography and picture books and things. The book we used is Our Island Story. And we got to the chapter on Bonnie Prince Charlie, the Jacobite uprisings. I'm kind of an Anglophile. And so I've kind of made my daughter into an Anglophile. We talk about England and she loves, you know, Beatrix Potter and James Harriet. And so whenever we read any of these authors, we talk about the parts of England they live in and you know all of that. And she loves Shakespeare. So we were studying Bonnie Prince Charlie and we have a subscription to Discover Britain magazine. So this magazine shows up and there's an article in there on Bonnie Prince Charlie and a painting of him and a painting of Flora MacDonald, the 
young lady who helped him escape. Then I said to my daughter, like, oh, we have to have to teach you the Skyboat song. And she's like, well, what is that? So we pulled it out. And then all of a sudden we found a book in the library about the Skyboat song. And so we learned the Skyboat song, had Bonnie Prince Charlie show up in the magazine. And so it was just, it was a lot of fun. And it seemed to just, he kept cropping up in places. And we, we just always yell, connections, connections. And everybody gets all excited at the overlap. It's, it's just really funny. Yeah, that's really awesome. I love it when that happens too. So Harmony, we're going to wrap it up here. And is there anything else that you would just like to share? about homeschooling or encouragement or just anything that has maybe helped you on your journey? I think, I just feel like I always want to say to moms, listen, if I can work a 40 hour a week job, now granted I work from home, but if I can work 40 hours a week and manage to homeschool and give my children a rich education, then anybody can. If they really want to do it, you can find Mm -hmm. a way to do it. And so if you feel like you have a passion and your employer will work with you, then you can figure out a way that will work for your family. If you have eight kids, maybe not, but if you have like two or three, yeah, or a wide age range. So there are women homeschooling in all kinds of situations worldwide with all kinds of unique stories and strategies and ways of doing this. And it doesn't have to be the standard way. It can be your way. Absolutely. That's great. Well, thank you, Harmony, for talking with me tonight. Yes, my pleasure. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of The Relatable Homeschoolers. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling. Schooling.